Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? It was my birthday on Tuesday. Um, so it's been a fun week of celebration. Just kidding. Not really. <laughs> but Tuesday night was great. You get a week of celebration. This is like your 22nd birthday. I feel like that's not necessary. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it. I think 22nd feels like better than 21. Well, I think it's because I turned 21 in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> But this one felt more like, oh, okay, I feel like I'm turning older. But last year's was just like middle pandemic, what's going on? I was like, oh, my 21 inside. So this birthday felt a lot better. Yeah, that sucks. Can't relate. (laughs) I'm 21, Leo season. Me and Sam are both Leos. So if you're a Leo listener, you're automatically our favorite. (laughs) But um. (laughs) Yeah, so happy belated birthday, Sam. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say. Happy belated birthday. And um, we are super excited for today's episode where we will be interviewing Jamie Stewart from Shoshu over a glass of passion fruit juice. Great, let's get into it. So for today's episode, we chose passion fruit juice. You know, we do a lot of fruit juices over here, but somehow we had always missed passion fruit. But I only have passion fruit juice on very special occasions. It makes me feel like I'm on an island. I don't know that I've ever been on an island, but that's how it makes me feel. Um, Teresa, what do you think of passion fruit juice? Yeah, I feel like I still don't really see passion fruit as a real fruit. I feel like when I think of passion fruit, I think of like blue raspberry or something like it's like a made up flavor. Mm. But once in a blue moon, when I drink passion fruit juice, I'm reminded it is, in fact, a real fruit. (laughs) And, you know, it keeps me humble (laughs) when I remember that there Uh, are more fruits out there than your typical, you know, your typical strawberries and blueberries and watermelons. So (laughs) it's a good lesson for all of us. I um, agree with that, but I'm a big fan of passion fruit boba, so I feel like I drink a solid amount of passion fruit in my, like, day-to-day, but not just strictly the juice. That's fair, and not to bring back when I worked at that boba shop that one time, but we did have a passion fruit (laughs) flavor, which I forgot about. But um, anyways, today we are super excited to be sipping on these lovely passion fruit juice juices plural um while we interview jamie stewart of the band shoshio sam do you want to sort of give an introduction to jamie sure i mean shushu is at this point just this really really legendary band they've been at it for about two decades um so many classic albums that you may know uh their newest album though is titled oh no And it is an album of duets, which is something very unique for the band. And it kind of goes in a different direction that they normally go in. But if you don't know Shushu, you might know some of the the duet partners on this album. Sharon Von Etten, Liars, Chelsea Wolfe. This album is absolutely incredible. And it's so fun to talk to Jamie, not only about this album, but also his his, really deep career and his unique experiences. Great. Should we call him up right now? Yep, let's call him up. Hi, nice to meet you. 
Hi, I'm Sam. Um, right, I'm in Chicago Hi. right now. Hi. I'm Teresa. I'm in Philly. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, oh, thank you guys for taking the time. We love the new album and we just wanted to ask about it and just some other questions. Oh, thanks. Great. I guess we can just jump right into it. Um, so first, coming off of the last two projects, I was prepared for a ripping opening song like The Call or Girl with Basket of Fruit. So I was really surprised at first with like the gentle guitars and all of that. And it felt like kind of a departure for me. And I was wondering if it felt like a departure for you or if it just felt like a continuation of the themes that you've always explored. Um, that is a fair question. Uh, <laughs> it's, well, I don't have, a particular sense of separation between any of the records. Generally, as soon as we finish one, we start working on the next one immediately afterwards. Um, so any any work that we do isn't necessarily in response to what we had done before. To me, it feels like a continuum. Um, that makes me sound like kind of a tool, but you know, I, I you know I just work on them all the time, so I don't I don't really have any distance from them. Um, it's it's not unheard of for us to open a record with more, more plaintive, softer song. We haven't done it in a while, um, that, that's true, um, but it, it wouldn't have been the first time. And like kind of adding on to that, like also, um, you know, there are so many like collaborators um, on this project. And I was wondering, like, was it hard to keep the project together, like thematically? Um, and like, how did you see all those um, collaborators like fitting into the project? Um, I. It, thematically, it really wasn't particularly difficult. Um, I, I, it wasn't. I don't think. It would, I don't think any of the things on the record were necessarily that far away from things that the people who were involved in it might have some sort of attachment to. Some of the people on it, I'm very, very close friends with. So, I, you know, it was easy for me to be certain about you know them understanding or being able being able to attach to a song that they were on. And for some of the people who I who I didn't know, I sent them you know maybe three songs to choose from so they could you know maybe find one that worked that worked for them and there i mean there were there were several people too that i sent songs to that um ended up not doing it they just said you know they couldn't get into it or it didn't feel like a like a fit for them um so i mean so the answer is yes and no you know for the people who were on it clearly it worked because they did it <laughs> and for the people for whom it didn't work they you know they chose not to which is fine yeah and i i have a bunch of questions kind of about the collaborative process but first um I know most of this was just sending songs back and forth. Um, and was, was it difficult for you to not have that in-person connection that you might usually have when you're recording a song? Not really. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's an incredibly common way of, you know, there has been a pretty common way of making records for probably the last 10 years. So I was pretty used to it. Um, and, you know, there were a few people who we were able to do it with in person. I mean, who, with whom we were able to do it in person, uh, you know, the, Things got started just before the uh, shutdown started, but I think it was it was almost an advantage not to be able to do a lot of them uh, in the same room. I've I've I found a lot of people who sent them in the things that they did uh, were much more far out and much more experimental. I think I think because they had their own time and they were in their own space and could be more comfortable. You know, I mean, if they're sitting you know six feet away from me, I think you know there's kind of any time you work with somebody, there's an you know an inherent desire to I mean, consciously or subconsciously to do what you think they want you to do, you know, because 
you want to make them happy. But if, if you're alone, you can be freer. And I mean, not just, I mean, everyone who I, who, who did work with things who were in the room did a superlative, completely fantastic, totally beautiful job. Um, but, you know, because I was experiencing it, it wasn't necessarily surprised to receive it. But the people who sent things in, I had no idea how they were going to respond to the songs. And almost invariably, they did things that I never would have predicted, which is, you know, the point of working with somebody good um, is they're good and they're, they're going to do something unusual and interesting. Yeah. So when they sent back things that you were surprised by, did you have to adapt yourself to that or did you just kind of go with the original plan that you were? Um, no, no, I just I just stuck it in, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody who's on the record is, a, is an extraordinarily talented yeah. uh, and incredibly, you know, focused artist. Uh, you know, why, why would I doubt what they were doing? I mean, they all absolutely have a handle on music. So uh, it, you know, that's whenever we've collaborated with people in the past, which is, you know, on almost every record, we've, we've, we've worked with a lot of different people because they're great. And, you know, there, there's no reason not to add something that's great to your record. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't think about it, so what it's more exciting to attach more hearts to what you're working on. Yeah. And also like we read that a lot of the album was um, sort of like in response to the severing of friendships. And I also read that that happened a lot even before the pandemic, but then kind of coincided with this weird time period. So can you sort of like talk about what made you want to sort of focus that thematically um, and how you wanted to integrate that? It, it, the record, the, the topics of the songs aren't really about that, but the, the idea of doing it as duets is a response to that. Um, as, as noted, I've, I had a lot of very unfortunate and, and negative experiences with a, a lot of people I was close to right before the pandemic started. Um, and I was having a, a really bad time, a really incredibly difficult time. And a, a lot of people who I didn't expect to reached out to you know, make sure that I was doing all right. And because of the generosity and care that they showed me, it seemed like doing a, a record of duets seemed like a, it could be a symbol to say thank you or a symbol of gratitude to those people, you know, saying thank you to those people in general. And the symbol is doing something together with somebody else, uh, uh, you know, was just, just to emphasize how much I appreciated how much uh, care people were, uh, were taking with me at that time. Yeah, and this might sound like a silly question about like a word distinction, but for some reason the word duet really ha hit me, like when I saw you using it the first time. Is there a reason that you frame them as duets rather than collaborations? Uh, well, uh, uh, all the writing, uh, of the lyrics and the music was done by uh, Angela and myself and the producers who worked on it, uh, Greg Sonier, and Angela also produced it, and Lauren Singlish. Um, uh, but so with the exception of Angela and Greg, who did sing on it, everybody else who sang on it didn't write the music they sang on it. Um, so although they definitely collaborated because they added a lot or changed the melodies or changed the words around and in the case of Twin Shadow put saxophone on there. Um, so it, it, because we weren't really writing together, although it was a collaboration, it seemed much more like a traditional duet because the focus of what we were doing together was singing together. And also, you know, it's kind of a cute word, so. <laughs> Definitely a cute word. Uh, I think your duets weren't necessarily the duets that people think about always when they hear that word. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, the question about that, 
relationship between you and Angela. You guys have worked together for so oh, long. Oh, she said hi. She's sad she can't be here. She has a grown-up job and her schedule is very busy. <laughs> we hate grown-up jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you guys have worked together for so long and have gone through so much artistic evolution together. Um, how has your style and your working style, your musical style adapted to fit each other throughout the years? It really hasn't changed all that much. Um, I mean, we have, you know, I mean, as we've gotten to know each other better, we've become closer and closer as friends. Um, but since the beginning, generally the function is, is I'll kind of over obsess and look at things from a micro perspective. And when I'm hitting my head against the wall, cause I, you know, I'm thinking of details too much. Uh, I asked her to come in, you know, from a distance and fresh ears and she'll go, this works, that doesn't work, this works, this works, get rid of that. Uh, and then I do what she says because she's always right. And that's kind of how we've always done it. So like, have you guys ever faced like periods of hardships or like disagreements? Um, and if so, like, how do you, especially if you guys like each other as friends, I feel like that makes it harder to like sort out problems. Yeah, just as context, we were we're like best friends that started this together. Oh, nice. um, so we definitely <laughs> this is a therapy. This is actually a therapy session. We're like help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we uh, we you, you know when we're not working on music, we hardly ever fight. But when we're working on music, we almost always fight. In fact, if we work on something together and we don't fight afterwards, I always say hey we didn't have an argument isn't that great and she'll just kind of look at me and i know she's thinking yeah fuck you i want to have an argument with you but i kept my mouth shut. wait i am her so, and you're sam okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i mean and it, i mean the reason that we argue is because we both it's it, you know because we both care about it you know and we're, we both have a lot at stake in it um uh you know we, we sort out that we're getting better we argue less now than we used to <laughs> I think it's, you know, if one, if one person works on something and then the other person says, this sucks, you have to do it again, you know, you get upset. You're not upset at them. You know, you're more upset at yourself because you know you could do a better job, but you put so much work into it and you have so much invested in it already that um, it feels a little embarrassing or a little bit discouraging to have to start over. But at the same time, because you respect this other person's opinion, you know that they're right. And also because you want it to be the best that it could possibly be, you know that you have to start over. So it's a, it's a, it's a very complicated feeling. Um, That's but because we both know the other person wants to do their best, even though we might be frustrated with what they're saying, we know, you know that it's, it's important to trust their perspective. That's super interesting. So when you guys do disagree, you usually just go back to the drawing board and start the song over? Uh, it depends on, on how, on how you know, I mean, and what the disagreement is about. I mean, there, there are some cases where, you know, the song will seem like it's almost done, uh, you know, and we'll listen to it all the way through. And then, you know, one of us is like, you know, this, this is not happening. We have to, you know, the, we'll say, okay, like this element of it is worth saving, but as a structure overall, it's just going to be easier just to completely start it over. Um, you know, that happens sometimes, but sometimes it's, you know, it's just something like this part's too loud or there's too much going on here or, or, you know, these words are dumb or something like that. We said, you know, it's usually something smaller. Um, also, just like, have you, I like, have you been surprised at all by like the reception 
of your newest album as something that is like more easily accessible I feel like we've seen that being described as that and like it, have, you- it happens to us every other record you know right they're like <laughs> this is started, so- like, their most accessible record and then we do one a little more far out and the next one's like their most accessible record I don't know I think I don't I mean it's really far out and abrasive and super experimental and some of our stuff is you know like fairly normal you know kind of regular you know craftsman like or whatever songwriting it's always been like that so um <laughs> Uh, that said, I, I am, I'm very, very uptight and thin skinned. So I, I try never to read any sort of reviews or responses to things. So, um, I, I talked to a friend of mine about this, like the more I'm in this band, the more I get upset about any kind of reviews or assessment of things that we've done. I brought up this, I've probably said this like 20 times in interviews, but I, I asked a friend of mine about this. He's been doing records even longer than I has. I have, and he says that makes a lot of sense because you've been doing it this much longer, you're more and more invested in it. It's more and more a part of your, you know, your regular life. Um, in, in the beginning, I would always read abuse because I was curious and they didn't, if that didn't bother me that much. Um, but now, like, I'd rather be dead than read a bad review. <laughs> I feel so awful. <laughs> Even you reading said, a good review makes you me feel literally, awful. PSA to the world, you said, I have thin skin, please. <laughs> yeah, Turn please. off all the comments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, occasionally I know, I know that people who do this are, are trying to be nice, but you know, someone will email, email me a bad review and they'll say, oh, this interviewer is so full of shit. I'm like, well, I, you know, I wouldn't have known they were full of shit if you just didn't mail me this fucking interview. I mean, this fucking review. Um, so, I mean, I never write to them and say that. I just say, oh, thank you. For just move it to spam. <laughs> Inside, I'm just like, oh, I didn't need to know this. Um, and like you were saying, as you've like done this for longer, you feel like more and more invested in your work or that's what your friend told you as an explanation. Oh, no, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that way. And how do you, does that put any pressure on you when you're releasing new projects? Um, has it, has that changed the way that you work personally at all? It certainly hasn't affected the way that I work, but it, as, as you said, I definitely feel more pressure about it. Um, I mean, we'll have been a band for 20 years next year. And I think, oh my God, I've done this way, way, way longer than I've ever done anything. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, unless I, you know, come up with a cure for lupus or something, I mean, this is probably going to be like, why <laughs> the, the only mark that I make on the planet is going to be this. So, you know, I, I better do my best. I mean, the, the pressure to do our, our best gets more and more intense, but then also at the same time, I mean, the, the, the point of being in the band has always been to, you know, to try to push ourselves to do new things. And sometimes pushing ourselves to do new things is a success. And sometimes it is, a, you know, it doesn't work out and people don't like it or, you know, in retrospect, we realize that was a mistake to do, um, you know, but there's, there's, there's no way to, to keep doing that without, uh, you know, trying to take some risks. No, definitely. And if you find a cure for lupus, nobody will write a review on it. So maybe they'll be happy. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe it, maybe it'll be just like it'll a, be a bad like cure, a, like a six out of ten star. Yeah, six out of ten. Some people have bad side effects. Or people have un- unbelievably bad. Yeah, why yeah. medications really should have more more comment reviews? I think. More medication reviews. Yeah. Profession. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you just said that this is like the longest thing that you've done, basically, and you know, as like 
young people, we're still trying to figure out like what we want to love and do. So what still at the end of the day um, keeps you to like continue creating and like doing this? I mean, it's a kind of a corny answer, but I mean, I just, I love music. <laughs> um, I, I mean, since I've been a kid, uh, it's, it's been, uh, I've, I've, I've never been able to get away from it. I mean, there was when I, you know, I was going to college for a while and music wasn't really working out and I thought, okay, I'd go do it. I'd, I'd you know, just get into, you know, going to what I was, getting into what I was studying uh, at school for. Uh, but it was, you know, music was an incredible distraction. And I, I, I eventually one of my professors, I think, realized this and said, you know, it's okay to pursue music. It doesn't mean you're a shitty person. It's okay to, to give it a try. Um, I, I, I think a lot of people who have done music have have this same experience. It's, uh, you know, and again, this is corny. It's just, it, it just becomes an, an innate, you know, driving force in your personality. You, like it. You know, this has been said 20 million times before, but you can't really not do it. Um, I mean, I don't mean that in a self-aggrandizing way. It's just, you know, if you do it for a long time or it's just part of your DNA, it becomes, it becomes your nature to pursue it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Integrate. And at this point, like I haven't had a normal job in such a long time. Like I was thinking of quitting a few years ago. I was just kind of getting fed up with it. And I was trying to fill out my CV and I'm like, oh, no one's gonna fucking hire me. I better just <laughs> try and keep this up. It'd be you impossible got to this for me to do anything else. Skill section, you said none. <laughs> well, no, yeah, nothing new. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like it's good to hear also that you got fed up with it. Cause I feel like a lot of the times from the outside. Oh God, like, yeah, more than- Everyone I, I actually, just loves I, it all the time. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't like music. It was just, you know, the music business is ter a terrible business. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a, the music part of it is spectacular, but you know, the business part is pretty, I mean, not in every case, but largely pretty soul destroying um, mm. at times. And, uh, you know, there got to be a point where it was just several years of things going worse and worse and worse. Um, uh, I actually, I had a, I was seeing a therapist about other things at, at that time. And, you know, music kept coming up tangentially. And she just eventually said, you know, quit saying you're thinking about quitting music. Just don't quit. I'm getting really bored with it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You know, fuck it. I won't quit. Um, it, was a, it was a good thing to hear. So, you know, now when I get frustrated, just the, the option to quit is, is not really there anymore. If your therapist says that, that's, that's Yeah, if your therapist know. tells you they're bored, then it's time to just... <laughs> Yeah, just put that to the back of your mind and forget it. No, I mean, that's actually stunning to me that you even thought about it because I feel like you've always been so consistent and that's something that I've loved. It's like, I feel like as listeners, we get to see your evolution like through pretty much every couple of years because you're so like dedicated to putting music out. So I've always really, really appreciated that. Oh, that's um, nice of you, thank you. But going back to the music um, on the project, I just wanted to talk to you about a couple of songs and a couple of videos so first um could you talk a little bit about the process of recording a bottle of rum i just think it's such a beautiful song and i just wanted to know how it came together oh thanks that's actually one that uh i worked on for a long time and angela was just like buddy you guys start this one over it's not happening it's this version. she said i'm bored <laughs> she was more tactful about that because she could see that i was getting wound up about it and she didn't want to upset me um but uh you know the version we did that's not on the record is she was right it's not it's not it wasn't 
good enough for, for certain. Um, it, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, it came together in kind of a funny way. Um, since the band started, I've always collected different instruments and I've tried to use um, instruments in different contexts than they were necessarily originally designed for. And I bought a, a, a bajo quinto, which is a, a, uh, it's sort of, it's like a 10 string kind of uh, sort of bass guitar that's used in a lot of uh, Norteño and Tejano music. Um, but the one I bought is kind of cheap because, you know, I didn't know if I was going to like it, so I didn't want to get a really nice one. Um, and only a couple of the chords would really play in tune. Um, but I like the sound of it. So initially, I was just trying to figure out a way that I could write a song, you know, just using these these couple of chords. Um, and at, at the same time, I'm, I'm friends with Liz Harris, who is the singer in Grouper. And she had this song that I always really liked. And I was uh, playing around on this Bajo Quinto and realizing that this, the, the rhythm sounded kind of familiar to one of her songs. Um, uh, anyway, so I thought, okay, well, maybe the, I mean, I couldn't write, I, did, I didn't know how the song went, but I thought, okay, well, maybe if I'll try to write something that's, you know, kind of in the, in the style of that particular song, but I'm limited by these couple of particular chords and just sort of see what would happen. Um, and, uh, you know, then later, you know, the, the, the song, you know, developed in the way that it, it developed. Um, and it was even before we had thought about it having to be a record of duets. Uh, and then I, I asked Liz if she wanted to sing on the record. And I, you know, and Bottle of Rum is obviously kind of a, you know, chirpy song, kind of a little on the pop end. And I didn't think she would be that into it. And I recommended a couple other songs. And she said, oh, you know, do you have any sort of poppy songs with a beat? And I said, well, here's the song that basically rips off one of your songs. You know, do you want to sing on this? And I sent it to her and she, you know, very graciously did and did, did an excellent job. That was, that was another person who I wasn't able to do it. Uh, we weren't able to record together. And, you know, what she sent back was much, much, much more later and much more complex and dense than I think we would have been able to do if we were in the same room together. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and like, it definitely comes through in the song. And like, also, I feel like um, one of the music videos um, that really struck us was Rumpus Room. Um, just to feel like it was super unhinged. And also the, the snacks that were included <laughs> were all the snacks that are like on the top three of my list um, of your, best snacks. Huh? Which, which, which the Flaming Cheetos, the Takis, and the Bugles. Bugles <laughs> is number three. It is in that order, actually, in that order. Um, and I was like, how did how did they know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that music video? Because I, I just feel like it's like wild to watch. I, I can't say a ton about it. Angela is 100% responsible for doing the videos. Um, but... Uh, uh, anyway, she we we share a house together, and um, uh, we both we both have an office, and we both have a, uh, our own bedroom. And her um, her her office is is uh, called the Rumpus Room, or that's what she calls it. Um, during the pandemic, it turned into her actual office for work, but before that, it was just kind of an extra room that she would just go in and just you know do bad things. And you know, um, it, it I mean it always fun things always happen there, but it was a very you know, place for kind of unserious debauchery um, until, you know, until now she, you know, it's just her regular workspace. Um, so she, you know, she wanted to do something that reflected, uh, you know, 
what her rumpus room is actually like, I think. <laughs> um, Does she have uh, those snacks in there? Well, okay. And then the other thing is I did not used to care about food or really like eating before I became friends with Angela and she, okay, your face is, you're fine. That's a reasonable expression. I came to learn. And then Angela um, exposed me to the uh, obsessive joys of eating. And now I, I think about food all the time. I love to eat so much. And she is completely obsessed with snacks. Um, and uh, those are all snacks that she got me into. I didn't really use to ever eat snacks before either. And now uh, eating is a huge part of our friendship. And when we live in Los Angeles and a nice thing about Los Angeles is uh, it's so spread out and so big and there's 20 million different kinds of neighborhoods and you know every single kind of person on the entire planet lives here. So there's every single food that you can imagine if you're you know, willing to drive 45 minutes to go get it. And you know she's somebody who is willing to drive 45 minutes to go get some snacks or go eat something good and uh, as am I. So um, the, the song is, is, a, is the video and the spirit of the song, not so much the lyrics are a lot about her you know, ad adventurous spirit towards um, the uh, more corporeal aspects of life. Yeah. yeah sounds like you got <laughs> the wrong person on the podcast. <laughs> Angela, where are you at? Help. <laughs> she's, uh, she's, she's very busy. Uh, she works in public health, so uh, uh -huh. uh, COVID times are uh, particularly busy for her. Yeah, well... I think we have a couple more questions and then we'll let you go. First, um, we were just wondering what art has been inspiring you lately? Oh, um, it's, it's been, I've been working, like the last maybe six weeks have been an absurdly busy time for me. So I haven't really had much of a chance to do as much ingesting as I would like to. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten super into uh, really like or like really early kind of proto rock and roll, like fifth, like almost almost not even quite rock and roll, like late late R and B, like late formative R and B, early rock and roll. So I've been listening to a lot of stuff like that. Um, and uh, God, that's really kind of been it. <laughs> I have I'm going on I have I've been I've I've been uh, I'm going on tour next month and that's usually when I can catch up on reading I have a big stack of books on my nightstand which I haven't had a second to get to as soon as I sit in bed I immediately fall asleep um next month I have more to say at, at the moment it's been all output and not very much input what have you guys been into lately oh wow he said I've been falling asleep to books but what about you <laughs> um what have I been into lately well, of course, your project. <laughs> Sweet pie. But let me think what else. Um, I've actually been starting to try to read some books. I got a bunch of books for Christmas, but like we said, we're both like college students, so we can't read that much during the year. Yeah. Um, You're reading other things. Yeah, yeah, reading, yes, much less interesting things. But I've been loving this album, Sankofa by Amano Freitas. Oh, cool. um, it's like a jazz project and then I don't know if you know Pink Sifu but I've been loving his work too I'll check it out yeah I was listening to Pink Sifu's album also Isaiah Rashad's new album Doja Cat 
I don't know, <laughs> summer. Also, I was in Bushwick. summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just in Bushwick this summer and I've, I'm in Philly now. And I feel like just, yeah, being there and in New York, because I'm not usually there. Um, yeah, really was a lot. But now I'm back in Philly and feeling less inspired, unfortunately. <laughs> New York's a good, a good place to get electrified, for sure. Yeah. Um, and sorry, we just had to wrap things up, but um, what should we expect from you coming up next? I know that you're touring. Do you want to tell us a bit about the tour and whatever is going to be coming out from you in the future? Um, it's, it's just, I'm just doing like, like a solo set opening for another band. I mean, the shows were supposed to happen a year and a half ago. So there, mm -hmm. I think the tour is like a third as long as it was going to be. Um, so, I mean, right after this, I'm just going to go back to practicing for it. Um, just trying to do more. I mean, it's a solo show, but, you know, I'm trying to do more with it than just, you know, guitar and singing. So trying to flesh out the arrangements. Um, we're working on a new record right now. Um, I'm finishing a book I wrote a while ago. Uh, Angela's working on her next solo record. Um, let's see, you know, we were doing some remixes for other people, and uh, and then this uh, this other band I play in Hexa just had a record out, so getting that stuff sorted out. Um, yeah, that's mo mostly. It. Oh, and I'm teaching a uh, online course on experimental music, so that starts tomorrow. So I've been getting the syllabus together for that which is that's that's been incredibly time consuming, but I, I've learned a lot. So it's been enjoyable. Wow, there's a lot going on. You just listed like five full time jobs. <laughs> but thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Oh, it's really nice to talk to you. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Jamie Stewart of Shushu and check out their newest album. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter at The Q. See you next week.